if you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. Imagine growing up in a small Midwest town. Okay, I did. In a Baptist church. I did. Going off to college. Dropped out. Okay. And you see a guy walking across campus with a symbol on his shirt, an upside down star with a circle around it. It's not an upside down star, silly. What is it? It's just the the star with the circle around, but it's not upside down. Oh, it's a pentacle? It's a pentagram? It's a pentagram. Well, Alexian's getting ready to tell us all about it because he's going to tell us about the pagan religion. He is. He's also going to talk about how it's been demonized. He's going to go through why your reference was great with the, you thought it was an upside down. Right. Because the satanic culture turned the Wiccan pagan Mm -hmm. pinnacle upside down. Right. And we've been taught to demonize the culture. Yes. But it's really just earth. It's just nature worship. Yeah. With a little bit of uh, Mother Nature's magic and a some sprinkled on top. Well, sprinkle some good <laughs> intentions. And there's just a lot of information. He, Alexian does a really great job in this episode of teaching us about the cycles of Earth, of Moon, um, some of the rituals that they do, and how all of this was even predating a lot of religions today, and how those religions even pulled some of what they do from what is traditionally known as pagan rituals and he's going to teach us all about it and kind of demystify that and make it seem not so horrible not telling you to go out and become wiccan or pagan no not at all any of that just help you understand Mm -hmm. that's what this is all about that's what spiritual smorgasbord is all about yes and we're here for all those mind expanding facts because we're a safe space we are and (laughs) i think alexian's gonna just really teach you something yeah and he's got some good music so here he is check him out lord alexian well first of all thank you very much for having me on your show i really appreciate it um it all started probably i mean just growing up on the farm in missouri in i was born and raised on a small small farm in the southern Ozarks in uh, southern Missouri and I was around nature I was outside I was playing in the mud climbing trees you know just really close with animals raising animals on the farm etc and um, things would happen and and I would just kind of uh, interact with those energies Um, we had ghosts in the house growing up we had graves stones in our backyard that were weathered and you couldn't read, but we would play on them. Um, And my mom was very sensitive and it turns out my grandfather and my grandmother was very sensitive too. So that comes to me honestly, but you know, growing up on the farm, again, that connection with nature and um, I really didn't know anything about spirituality until my aunt actually told my mother, who's the youngest of 12, to take those heathen children to church. <laughs> and uh, so she did. She took us to Baptist church. And um, I was quickly whisked away from my mom at the age of four into this little back room. And I, I guess it was Sunday school, but I thought I was at school. You know, I was finally old enough. I was going to go to public school. Right. I really didn't understand what was going on. But I remember very clearly they handed me this coloring book and they wanted me to color this guy with long hair. And I'm like, why are they wanting me to color this picture of a hippie? Because, (laughs) you know, this is back in the 70s and guys with long hair were hippies, you know. And um, so I'm like really kind of nervous and I raise my hand and say, you know, is it okay if I color outside the lines? And I remember this lady going, oh, sugar, it's fine. You know, 
here, have a crayon so you can start coloring. And she handed me purple. And I thought, this is really weird. They want me to color this man purple, this hippie man purple. So that was my first experience with church. I remember that very clearly. But then, you know, after Sunday school was over, we went outside to the main congregation to sit with our parents for the preacher. And they had a special guest that day. And it was a man. And the man went up front and got up on the dais and was going and sat down at the desk. And he was going to do something special at this desk. Well, the desk was a piano. I had never seen a piano before. And from the side, it looked like a desk. So all of a sudden, he starts playing this piano. And my brain just exploded. I mean, I was just like, what is happening? You know, where is that sound coming from? And I was instantly mesmerized. And it was from that moment that I actually started asking for a piano from my parents. And I did not get one. And I kept asking and I kept asking until I was eight years old. For four years, birthdays, Christmas, every chance I get, I begged for a piano. And finally, my parents broke down and bought me my first piano, which I still have to this day. So question. Yeah. Did you, in that four years when you were going to that church, did you ever just like run up like at the end of church or anything like that and like play on it randomly? Like any time that you could touch the piano or get access to it? Did you have moments like that? I think that I did have moments like that and I got scolded because that was not supposed to happen. Young children should not be seen and not heard. I understand that. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I was scolded. Um, in fact, even as a teenager, one time I was playing, a, I think it was like a theme from a movie or something on the, on the church organ because it had like the sound that I didn't have at home. And I got scolded for playing secular music on a spiritual instrument. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Um, I never really bought into the spirituality part, but I did continue to go to church even as a teenager for the music. And in fact, I became the church organist from 14 to 18 for four years. I played the organ and I would get into the music so much that I would start to get trancy and I'd look out over the congregation and I'd see these stars like floating above the people. And I didn't understand at the time, what that was or what was happening. So did you and see? I still don't know why I was seeing stars at that time. Did you see them on Other, everybody or just a few people? Just certain people, just certain people, right? And, uh, you know, that's a really good question. I never really contemplated that. You're going to have to, uh, you're going to make me do some the memory thought, searching huh? there yeah. to see to see if I can remember who they were above. Mm-hmm. But um, in any event, um, time goes forward. I applied and auditioned and got into Berkeley College of Music, a very well-known, famous private music school in Boston, Massachusetts. And I graduated from high school and went to Boston and went to college and went through culture shock from the farm to downtown Boston, <laughs> oh, you know, right. overnight. Oh my gosh, yes. Rural to urban real fast. And um, in into my college career there, a um, couple years in, I was uh, meeting with a friend and there was a friend of a friend there and they had a necklace on that had the star that I had been seeing over people's heads growing up. And I was like, just instantly, like I had this draw that I had to go talk to this guy. And so I waited patiently until everybody kind of dispersed. And when we were all leaving, I said, can I talk to you for a second? And he goes, sure. And we went over to the corner. I'm like, I'm just inquiring about your necklace. And, and he goes, Oh, my pentagram, you know? And so we had a little conversation about, paganism and Wicca and I was totally like just like this sounds like really cool you know how'd your body and do you remember the feeling that your body felt when like you yeah excitement excitement nerves nervousness and um but I felt like I was like 
on the verge of like a breakthrough of something. Like I knew something was coming. And at that time I didn't know it was going to be home, mm-hmm. uh, which, which did happen. You know, eventually when you get involved in the craft, it has the feeling of coming home. Like you belong, you so, found your family, you found your tribe. So a lot of times in our culture today, when you see things like a pentagram or, you know, um, you hear pagan or Wicca, um, a lot of people in society hear or see that and go, oh, I've got to stay away from that. I don't know what it is, but I know it's bad. So you sure. didn't have I mean, any association with that when you first saw it because it wasn't anything you'd known. No, exactly. It was nothing that I had known before. Um, I knew that, you know, from rock and roll. <laughs> right. The devil's music. Examples, <laughs> you know, the devil's, the devil's music. Right. And uh, I knew, uh, you know, when, especially when I got to college, you know, the association of the pentacle with Satanism and stuff like that popped in. But um, I didn't understand what it actually stood for. And mm-hmm. for those that don't know that are listening the pentagram, which is turned into the pentacle when it has the circle around it, the five points of the pentacle uh, and the pentagram represent the four elements and the fifth element, which is spirit. And we in the craft wear the pentacle right side up with the one point going straight up, which is spirit, which means spirit is over element. And Satanism turns it upside down, which is more materialistic elements over spirituality, right? Nice. I hadn't just heard like that. They take the Christ, just like they take the Christian cross and turn it upside down, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean you can take a holy symbol and you can pervert it. You can change it into something else that you want it to represent. Right. That doesn't mean that the symbol itself is bad. In fact, they did that with the swastika. I was just going to bring that up. I was like, <laughs> you saw what they did to the swastika, right? Because nobody can ever bring that back now. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, but, you know, it, it's your intent and your empowerment behind the symbols that you use and you believe in that makes them sacred. So, right. Um, intent yes, is huge. I'm glad you touched on that. Intent is so big in all kinds of spiritual practices, you know, it, it really is, what are you putting into it? What are you wanting out of it more than it's just a symbol? Yes. Intent is everything. In fact, Alex Sanders used to say, um, if the intent is clear, the words matter little. Mm. Listen, all religion, all religion are man-made. Absolutely. All religions are man-made. The center, the it, the force, God, goddess, the big light in the sky, whatever you want to call it, we're all praying and trying to regain connection with the same thing. It's just that different cultures and different people have developed their own customs and ways of interacting with that spirit, with that center, with God, with the force, Luke, right? (laughs) If Um, I could snap, I would be snapping right now. Yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) nobody can see our video, but I'm just like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's so many wars and so much anger and hate that develops just because other people are different and practice in a different way. But if everybody would just wake up and realize we're all trying to get to the same center just on a different road, but we're going to meet at town center in that city square, in that town square, in that gazebo in the sky, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have a big picnic together one day and realize it's all okay. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Love one another. It doesn't matter how love you look. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how you love. It's all the same thing. It is. It really is. So true. So you see this guy with a, it, is it a pentacle necklace? Correct? Yeah. It's a pentacle necklace because he was Wiccan. Right. And he and leads you into what? So it turns out that I talked to him some more and him, me and two women 
in college formed a four-person study group. And we studied together and learned together and practiced together. But it got to the point where we kind of started to self-exhaust our own abilities, you know. And out of the blue, I got a call from this guy's teacher. And he said, it's time. And I'm like, excuse me, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out that it was, um, you know, my teacher. uh, And he had come to, to teach me the way. So... I did uh, petition to join the craft and study with him directly, and, and he accepted, and I began studying with uh, Lord Starspawn. And uh, while I was in college in Boston, and the studying went on even after college, um, anybody that's getting into the craft, by the way, go slow because it's not a race, mm. and it's going to be a lifelong journey, and it's not about the destination. It is about the journey. So go slow and also stop buying stuff. You don't need to buy tons of things Mm -hmm. to practice the craft. Okay. It is a spiritual journey first and foremost. And the things will come. In fact, a lot of times they'll be gifted to you either by a person or by nature herself. So before we get too far into... Um, like the cycles and everything we're about to break down. Can you, as someone who has no idea what you're talking about, um, the Alexandrian tradition under the pagan umbrella, let's break that down for people who are listening and going, what the hell are we talking about right now? And what do we mean by the craft? What do we mean by the craft? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So by the craft, we're talking about modern day witchcraft, okay, And the craft is the magical side of the practice, which is what everybody gets, you know, into and attracted to or scared of. I was going to say, or mad or shape about as soon as you You say the word witchcraft. They're like, oh, no, it's black. You worship Satan. We're like, no, 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 no. No. Back up. We don't believe in Satan. Yes. Yes. In fact, I like to say Satan is Christian because you have to be Christian to believe in the the devil and, and Satan. So, uh, in paganism, paganism is pre-Christian. Paganism is the old ways. Paganism is the ways of the people of the earth, and it's the folk customs, and it's why we do things that's been handed down through our family line, but we don't really truly know why we do them, but we just do them, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, why, why do we bring that Christmas tree into the house every year? Well, there's a reason. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So is that what the Alexandrian, yeah, yeah, Alexandrian Wicca is a religion that is under the umbrella of paganism. So uh, paganism is based upon the old ways before Christianity and within paganism, which is an umbrella term. Pagan means uh, the Pagani or the people of the earth, the people out there. You see, when Christianity came in and took over, they built churches upon sacred sites, but a lot of times the bigger churches were in the cities because that's where the money was. That's where they could make those buildings and have the artisans to be able to craft those buildings and build those big churches. And so when they talked about the people who were not pagan, it was usually the people that were out there, out there in the country, and the Pagani, you know, out there in the country. So mm-hmm. basically the over the centuries, those people, those people, those people, those people became a negative connotation. But it doesn't mean negative connotation. The literal term just means farmer, rural person, mm-hmm. non-Christian, right? So anyway, uh, paganism is an umbrella term. And then underneath that, there are priesthoods like the Druids, etc. And Wicca is one of those. So underneath the umbrella of Wicca, there are different traditions of Wicca, just like there's different traditions of Christianity, Catholics, Protestants, etc. So um, that's where the Alexandrian Wicca, which is what I was trained in, comes from. Alexandrian is a hived off branch from Gardnerian witchcraft, which was formed by Gerald Gardner, you know, back in the 1900s. So, um, 
It's a recreation of ancient goddess worship combined with pagan folk magic and a little bit of ceremonial magic thrown in for good measure. And a little, <laughs> a little bit of spice. <laughs> a, little, a little, little bit of this and a little bit of that. So, but it's a working religion. Yes. So you you reference the goddess. So who is the goddess to you? Okay. In the universe, there is projective energy and receptive energy. The projective energy is personified by humanity as God. He who spoke into existence the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Projected. Mm-hmm. Whoa, 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 wait. I thought you had to have a mama to have a baby. Well, you do. That's mm-hmm. the goddess. Mm-hmm. So the goddess energy is the receptive energy, okay? And so it's like two poles of a battery, positive and negative. And when they cr- touch, they create spark, the spark of life, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look in nature, all animals come in male and female. Even plants themselves have male and female parts. Mm-hmm. If we're created in the image of God, God should be fa- male and female, right? And I'm sorry, females don't come from the rib of Adam. <laughs> well, I mean, you're just making me want to bring up Lilith if, if you bring up Eve. And oh, sure. I brought up Lilith one time when I was home because I just kind of forget how much more I've gone out into the paradox of this religion doesn't line up, this isn't lining up, this isn't making sense. And then when I found Lilith and I, I went home to one of my family members who um, I did go to a Baptist church with back home, I was like, do you know who Lilith is? And she's like, no. I was like, you don't you don't know about Adam's first wife? And she's like, you could just see like it, it was rattling her core beliefs. And I had to stop because like I'm not here to come and like break those for you. I'm just kind of here to provoke you. Um, but I... I was amazed at how many people have no idea who Lilith is and that they think that she's just like some demonic bad person. I was going to say, if they do know about. who she is, then there's yes. some negative connotations. Yeah. Which, isn't it weird that like most women of the Bible, like they're just like all whores and bad? <laughs> is that, is that weird to anybody yet? That's called, you know, patriotic society. Yes, yes 100%. But I was just like... Okay, so Lilith, Medusa, Mary Magdalene. How about this? How about this? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Who's the Holy Ghost? Who's the Holy Ghost? Who is the Holy Ghost? Well, guess what? Originally, it was the goddess, right? The Father, the Son, and the Mother. Originally, it was the goddess. Uh, You know, we're not here to to bash Christianity or anything, because that's not my energy and Mm -hmm. not my, my, my intent at all, but... If you open a history book and read, you'll find out a lot of truth. Um, and uh, I could hang with Jesus. I could totally hang Me with Jesus. Too. I think Jesus would be really, really cool to know and to love and to understand because he had it. He understood it. And he would have loved you follower. too. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the follow, and he would, absolutely. And it's the followers that have perverted it and turned I it into something where the, the the whole better than thou thing. Mm-hmm. I can love you. I can love you no matter what you believe. But the moment you start putting yourself up on a pedestal and telling other people are wrong for what they believe, that is that I can't deal with. That's what turns so me off. You are now Lord Alexian. And you, there's 13 people in a traditional coven, correct? Correct. So you have a coven that you started in 93. Do you want to walk us through that? (laughs) So, okay, so I I received my first in 1989. And uh, my second, I think, was like 1993. And then I got my third. But anyway, long story short, I'm a third degree high priest of Alexandrian tradition. I started my own coven here in Central Florida in the Orlando area in 1993. And um, I didn't intend to do it 
I went to college to be a rock and roll star and the goddess had other plans for me. And I spontaneously started writing uh, pagan music and music for the goddess and um, releasing it. And that, you know, I'm a pagan recording artist. Um, And uh, then when I got my second degree, it was actually after my second degree, it was like a flare went off in the astral and people started approaching me like, out of the blue, just coming from all walks of life going, please teach me, please teach me. And, uh, so little by little we interviewed people and, um, the coven ended up forming and, uh, you know, traditionally it's a 13 person coven because anytime you get larger than 13 little clicks start to happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and the energy is a little different. And the main role of a priest and priestess is to protect the group mind and make sure that it's functional and well-tended. And that is about, you know, having members that work well together energetically, right? And uh, so anyway, long story short, here we are all these many, many years later, and we're still at 13, um, and we have a large outer court, like 40 people or so. And we get together and we celebrate and worship on the full moon and the new moon. And we have social events. In fact, we just had a pool party yesterday. We were so excited to see each other in person because of the pandemic. We've been doing a lot of things via Zoom. But, um, you know, with the stipulation, you must be fully vaccinated, um, which everybody in, in, in attendance was. Um, we had a pool party and we had a blast, uh, yesterday. And, uh, so yeah, we're, we're a very busy group of people. We do a lot of magic for healing, for blessing, for prosperity. We worship the God and the goddess and, uh, we, we really enjoy and revel in the magic. So before I ask you how you prepare for these, I kind of want more information on the cycles of the eight seasons and basically how the origin of that has kind of translated into what we, a lot of people honestly practice just because they're like federal holidays and that's, you know, that's your indoctrination into this world, you know, give me right, some Christmas right. presents. So, yeah, one of the things that the coven obviously does is celebrate the um, solar cycles of the seasons. Uh, we follow the lunar cycle, which is the new moon and the full moon, but we also so- follow the solar cycle. And those are marked with the spring equinoxes and the solstices, and then the cross quarters between them, which is a total of eight. So this is the eight holy days or sabbats of the Wiccan calendar, the pagan calendar. So this is Alexian's Fast and Furious Turning of the wheel. Here we go. <laughs> Yay. This is my favorite. All right. I can't so wait. we're, we're going we're gonna to actually start with Samhain. Samhain is spelled Sam Hain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's pronounced Samhain. It's a Gaelic word. So uh, Samhain is the day that is not a day. It is the link um, in the chain of the circle of the year. So this is the day of, that's, of course, Halloween. And it's at this time that we honor the ancestors and those who have gone before. All around the world, the Day of the Dead is celebrated and notated. In Mexico, they have the Day of the Dead. It's a whole night vigil. Uh, They do the Dumb Supper where you set out food for the ancestors who have went beyond before you to the other side. Um, So it's really, really an awesome time. It is also the biggest harvest of the year. And While we go around the wheel of the year, I want you to make this personal to yourself. And in fact, it's not only about the cycles of the seasons of the earth, but it's the cycles that are within inside your own personal life. So at Samhain, what are you harvesting in your own personal life that you've been working on the entire year before, right? Mm -hmm. Going forward on the wheel, the next date would be Yule. Well, you probably know the term Yuletide, well, Yule comes from um, an old custom to Yule or yodel or call out or sing to the sun to return because, of course, Yule is Christmas, 
and Christmas is around the winter solstice. The actual date of Yule is December 21st, the winter solstice. In the northern hemisphere, at least, this is the longest night and the shortest day. So the sun has forsaken Mother Earth and has gone away, and we must call back to the sun to come back to, fer- you know, to, to fertilize and, and wake the mother up to be fruitful again. So a lot of customs that Christianity uh, celebrates, you know, the holly and the mistletoe and bringing the tree, which is an evergreen tree, which represents eternal life, into the house, right, are really old pagan customs that have been adopted by Christianity. What is mistletoe um, in a pagan tradition? Are you still supposed so mit- to kiss somebody under it? Because I like that one. Yeah, yeah. It's a fertility. It's Again, it's another fertility symbol. Mm-hmm. So it all starts with that kiss under the mistletoe, right? Ooh. It's also a very strong, powerful, magical herb that you can use. But be very careful if you do because it can be toxic. Um, Good to know. You don't want to ingest mistletoe. Yeah. Thank you for telling people uh, that. Yes, yes. Always be safety first. Yes. So... You get the idea with Yule and, and the winter solstice, the longest night. This is a really good time to reflect upon the year before. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. To be thankful for the gifts of the bounty of the harvest for the year before. Sound familiar? And to really um, appreciate each other and honor each other. Gifts. I was like, it sounds so familiar. I'm just trying to place it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, so let's go ahead and go forward. So the next uh, click on the wheel is imbolc, which is also a uh, Gaelic word. And imbolc means in the belly. And it was actually at this time that the ewes and the sheep would be pregnant. Okay. And in growing up on a farm, I had firsthand experience with this. There would always be, it seems like every time I had a sheep that got pregnant on the farm, they would give birth in the middle of the biggest blizzard, which was always around in bulk. Well, why? Well, in bulk is the height of winter. It is the coldest time of the year. If you think about the cycle of the day, it's the same. The coldest time of the day is right before the sun comes up, right? Mm-hmm. Not at midnight. but right before the sun comes up, right? This is relating to in bulk as well, the cycle of the year. So at this time, even though light is coming back and the days are getting longer, it hasn't been around long enough, so it's still the coldest time of the year. So at in bulk, this is when you really are starting to plan and make make ideas for the year to come that you want to plant in your life, like goals, projects, those type of things on a personal level. At in bulk, of course, uh, one of the goddesses that are related to it heavily is the goddess Breed, which is from Ireland. We also call her Bridget, St. Bridget, for example. Do some research. Um, I'm going to. Yeah, (laughs) So anyway, in bulk is a really, really beautiful um, festival of light um, because it's still dark. There's a lot of candles. There's a lot of worship and there's a lot of planning. And um, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful evening. All right. So going forward, we are now at Ostara. Ostara is named after Ustra, which is a Germanic goddess. And it's literally the spring maiden or the spring queen or goddess of spring, right? So Ostara, of course, is March 20th, which is the spring equinox. So now we're planting. Now we're taking those plans and we're actually instigating our plans. We're starting to do tasks. We're starting to work on the year's project, our main goal for the year, right? We're starting to uh, make things happen. And at Ostara, you know, we really turn the wheel hard and we have Ostara, we have Ustra, which sounds a lot like Easter. Mm. It's all related, yes. okay? And the other thing I'll bring up immediately is why does a rabbit bring eggs 
You know, why does a rabbit bring eggs? Until you asked me that, I'm like, oh, why does a when rabbit? When I was a kid, I was just waiting for candy, so I never thought really hard about it. I just knew I was getting another gift. Well, it's like that Cadbury commercial where it's like, back, 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 and then the rabbit like lays an egg, <laughs> and then a lion yeah, lays yeah. an egg. Yeah, yeah. I was raised on a farm. Rabbits cannot lay eggs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Newsflash. I know I'm, this because I'm I had right chickens and rabbits. Yes. <laughs> so right I always wondered you. about that myself. And, and it wasn't until I started studying uh, the craft Wicca paganism that I came to understand that the rabbit is a fertility symbol. Mm-hmm. And the egg is another fertility symbol. So the reason the rabbit brings the eggs is because it's a double whammy on fertility, and this is spring. In so we want things season. to be fertility. We mm-hmm. want fertility. So we want things to grow. And we're not talking about just having babies. We're talking about planting your garden, you know, um, except, uh, except, of course, your rabbits will eat your garden. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to put up a fence to keep them out. Um, but no, but seriously, it's it's all about spring and those beautiful spring flowers and the crocus coming up through the snow between Imbolc and Ostara. I always remember that as a kid, it would, there'd be a thin layer of snow still and the crocus would come up and these beautiful blooms would pop out. And uh, that's our first sign of spring. Night and day are equal at the spring equinox, equinox, equal. Okay. Night and day equal 12 hours, 12 hours, at the equator. All right. Going forward, our next Sabbat is the height of spring. Can anybody guess what that would be about? Drum roll, please. Fertility in every sense in the word. Beltane, related to May 1st or May Day. It's on April 30th going into May 1st. The height of spring. It's at this time, all sorts of fertility magic is done. And, of course, you should be heavily planting at this time in your personal life as well and really pushing things forward. Um, the, uh, the old custom of dancing the maypole is enacted at this time, and we've been dancing our maypole since 1993, the same exact pole. I have a video with the maypole on TikTok if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but Explain over audio, what a maypole is for people who are going, what is he talking about? Right, right, sure. So the maypole is a pole or a staff or a phallic symbol, okay? And it is plunged into the earth, which is a hole in Mother Earth. And it's the union of those two, which is, fertility magic but what happens is you tie on these colorful ribbons and the group dances around the pole weaving the ribbons together and besides just being a dance it's an actual magical act any type of weaving is a magical act especially if you concentrate on a specific goal so what we like to do is we dance the maypole every spring and we pick the color representing what kind of magic we want to bring into our life. For example, prosperity would be green, love would be pink, passion would be red, or if just want some peace of mind, maybe a nice light blue, right? Mm-hmm. Purple would be spirituality, etc. You attach that and as you're dancing, you're keeping that intent right, in your mind as you're weaving your ribbon into the pole with everybody else. And I will also bring up at this point, for those of you who are listening and hear spell, the word spell or the word magic, and it makes you uneasy, please understand that that is nothing more than a prayer. Spells and magic are nothing more than an active prayer. That uses props. And intent. And, oh, totally about intent. If you're praying, no matter what religion you're in, all of your prayers have intent, Mm -hmm. right? So this is the exact same thing. We have the same goal in mind. It's, It's just we're asking for a boon from the gods, uh, the goddess, the god, um, from Mother Earth, from 
from Father Sky. Um, you know, so it's all just about praying, right? But we like to do it in an active way with props. And we gather together all these different ingredients that have different connotations or correspondences. And the more concentrated those ingredients become, the more powerful that prayer becomes. That's the way our magic works. So Beltane is definitely a time to plant, 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 plant. Onward, we come to Letha. Letha is the summer solstice, the height, uh, I'm sorry, the beginning of summer, the beginning of summer. It is June 21st. It is not the hottest part of the year yet. The hottest part of the year is coming up right now, which is the end of July into August. We'll get to that in a second. But we're talking about Letha, also summer solstice. Um, and it, this is marked around the world everywhere. In fact, Stonehenge, when you see the people around Stonehenge, they're waiting for the sun to come up over the horizon. I've actually personally been to Stonehenge. It's an amazing experience. And if you ever get to go, please go because the energy is palpable. You can cut it with a knife. I want to go but, so bad. Yeah, it's incredible. So the sun comes up over the horizon. It hits the keystone and it goes right through two of the pylons. And it's at that time, it's like a, a clock. That's summer solstice. So it's at the first uh, of the beginning of summer that we're now checking our crops. They should be well on their way. They should be growing. They should be swelling. They should be happening and just about ready to harvest, right? Like we're almost there now. We're almost there. Wait for it, right? Um, so it's also very much a solar holiday, you know, with the sun being directly over our head. This relates in the clock of the day to noon, right? But as we said before, noon is not the hottest part of the day. It's also, Letha is not the hottest part of the year, but this relates to the clock of 12 noon. Going forward, we are now at the height of summer with Lamas or Lunasav. And this relates to the god Lu, Lunasav, Lu, the god of light. And um, Lamas is very much related to the first harvest, harvesting the grain from the fields, cutting the fields down and um, partaking of those grains, you know, very much related to the um, communion in the Catholic church, you know, taking in the body of Christ. And so we see the energy of the sun as a symbol of the God energy. Remember projective energy who has fertilized Mother Earth, and so he is in the crops. He's in the grain, and we cut it down. That's where the sacrifice God comes from, right? We cut it down, and then what do we do? We grind it up, and we eat it as flour, as wheat, as pancakes with syrup, right? <laughs> so um, those... Uh, that imbibing of that energy, because it is energy, it's stored energy. And where did that energy originate from? The sun. Literally, scientifically, it it came from the sun. Mm -hmm. And it grew. The energy went into the crops by photosynthesis. It also came from the mother, the sustenance of the mother. And it made this amazing plant called wheat that we grind up and we eat. So <clears throat> this is the first harvest. This is when you're starting to partake of those things that you planted in your personal life earlier in the year. Going forward, we're at Maven. This is fall equinox. Again, night and day are at equal, but now darkness is overcoming. This is when the God in our tradition dies. He goes into the underworld, right? And he becomes the dark Lord. He who guides the soul's to the, to the summerland. So kind of like the pagan heaven, okay. Um, where there's joy and laughter and dancing and the mead is flowing, right? The mead is so, flowing. And the mead is flowing for those that don't know what mead is M E A D it's fertilized honey beer. 
and we make it ourselves here in the coven every year. So uh, we have blackberry mead we call purple bitch. <laughs> and blueberry mead we call the smurf, <laughs> etc. I love all these We have names. fun with it. Mm-hmm. We have fun with it. So we're at um, Paula Equinox, Maven. And so, again, this is about balance, finding balance in life, but understanding that darkness is overcoming. This is fall time. It's the second harvest, so it's a time to be thankful. Sort of sounds like Thanksgiving. I was yeah, like, right. That's a lot like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, so, September 21st to 23rd, depending on the astronomy, that's the time, the traditional date that we celebrate is September 21st. Um, and, uh, so yeah, there you go. Second harvest and more cutting down of crops and, and storing for the winter and preparing for the winter, which brings us finally back to the height of fall, which is Samhain or Halloween, the honoring of the ancestors, the final harvest of the year, the link in the chain. And when the goddess has become the crone mother and the Lord, the God has become the Lord of the underworld. There's the cycle. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for that education. I think um, a lot of people maybe have never heard it put that way before. No, you say it so very, what am I trying to say? Relatable. Like, el- relatable, mm-hmm. eloquent almost. Like there's... There's nothing hitting my head that's like, oh, 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 oh. Right. Step no, back. No, stop, danger. Stop back. Danger. 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 <laughs> like, it, it's a very, very relatable way to say it. Um, you said something when we were talking the last time. I think I wrote it down. It was talking about the moon phases. So, sure. So there's 13 mm-hmm. moons in a year, but there's 12 man-made. Can you elaborate yes. on that? So the... Um the modern calendar is man-made. It it literally is just taking the 365 days a year, except every fourth year we have an extra day leap year. Mm-hmm. You know, nature did not make that up. Man made that up. Okay. And so it's just man's attempt to divide the year into different segments. And as it turns out, man decided to divide it into 12, Right. And um, there's all sorts of correspondences between the number 12 and the projective God energy or masculine energy. And, of course, there's all sorts of correspondences between the 13 moon cycles and woman and how her cycles go as well. And so I find that very interesting, you know. I just want I it just kind of popped in my head about. Um, a lot of times in Christianity and other religions, 13 is a bad number. And I just wonder if there wasn't a point in time when, since there were these 13 cycles or these 13 phases where man said, no, we can't have that because the 13 is bad. Maybe it is because it was representing the female when we were taking that out or, and we made it 12. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's 12 zodiacal signs, which is what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. which also correspond to the wheel of the year, because as the earth goes around the sun, the zodiac goes, you know, moves in the sky as well. And uh, so there's the whole cycle of the zodiac around as well. We actually made a stained glass wheel of the year as a group project. It's gorgeous. You'll see it sometimes as a photo on our my Instagram and, and I'll probably put it on TikTok eventually as well. But um, it has the Zodiac signs on it as well as the different Sabbats of the year and, and everything. Because everything is a cycle. Everything's cyclic. Yeah. And so is the moon. So the moon energy affects us directly, scientifically directs us. I think one of my favorite science projects that I read about was they actually took some uh, clams, like it was either clams or oysters, and they open and close based on the the moon phase, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they took some, put them in a dark container, put them on a jet, flew them to the other side of the planet, kept them in darkness, 
and they got all confused. They started opening and closing, like freaking out. And then gently over the next couple of days, they calmed down and they started opening and closing with the lunar phases again. And they were correct, all synchronized together. Mm. They could sense the gravitational pull of the moon is what I'm getting at. Even though they were in complete darkness, it has nothing to do with the light of the moon. It's actually the gravitational pull of the moon. And if you think about it, the moon causes the tides, the high tide and the low tide of the oceans and in the Great Lakes. We're made of water, people. Hello? I always wonder that. Right. I'm like, what is, the, what is the moon doing to me right now? Because I understand what it does to the water. So I think I'd be ignorant you, at this point to believe that it wouldn't affect me. And you've heard of the term lunacy and lunatic. That uh. all comes from the full moon. And it's that pool of energy. Well, that energy, if left unchecked, can become lunacy, you know. But if you learn to harvest that energy as another source for your prayer, for your magic, you give it intent again, mm-hmm. and it changes into something else beautiful. So transmutation, is that? Absolutely. Okay. It's, 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 just, it, it's just energy that you're giving purpose for a specific goal, right? Instead of just letting it go, yeah. Wah! Just wasting it is kind of how I feel. So if I were to say, hey, Alexian, what is your definition of light magic? Light? Light. L-I-G-H-T? Yes, sir. Okay. So, you know, we always have these um, ideas of white magic and black magic. Is I, I, I'm thinking that's what you're getting at. Yeah, and, it's kind of uh, a, like the Hollywood. I'm trying to like demystify the Hollywood that people are trying to build in their head about everything yes. we've been talking about. Well, the way I was trained is there's no such thing as white magic and black magic. It's all gray unless you're all the way over to the left or all the way over to the right, right? Mm-hmm. So um, as is any prayer. Did you know that a love spell that you put on a person is black magic? 100% because it it takes away their free will. Exactly. You're trying to control people. And on TikTok, I'm starting to get lots of questions and people are wanting me to give them spells. And I don't do that. I don't give out magic. I'm not going to karmically connect people with people you know, that I don't know personally. I love that you said uh, that. Mm, yeah. Again, you know, that's why I only um, do simmer pots, and I'm like, this is for good vibes only. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to control somebody's free will, okay? And in fact, even if you're trying to heal them, you should get their permission first. Mm-hmm. May I pray for you? May I do a spell for you? Wouldn't that be nice? If, if the answer is no, then you do not do it. You do not go against their free will wishes, even if it's to heal them and possibly save their life. Maybe their path is it's time to go on to the next journey. Mm -hmm. And you're preventing them from doing that by manipulating their health. You don't want to do that. That's an extreme example, of course. But But it's a wonderful example. You want to work with people's free wills. And I always say this as well. It's not about power over others or over things. It's truly about power over yourself. I just want that to like echo out for everybody. Like, ooh. Everyone I've talked to, no matter what, they always state the end goal is the inner journey. Finding yourself, lighting that light, sharing that light with the world. That's your purpose, to be yourself. Yeah. I just love that. The, the Wiccan religion is very um, set up to do just that. You start at, you know, working towards first degree. You're learning about the cycles of the seasons, like we talked about today. You're learning about the four elements, earth, air, fire, water. What are the properties? How can you use that in your magic? You're learning about the gods and the goddesses and their correspondences and energies, um, etc. It's very external, looking out. When you get to working towards second, it all turns in and it's about illuminating the skeletons and the demons with inside yourself and facing them. 
shadow work, exactly. And it's not about eliminating the demons and banishing them. It's really more about integrating them because it Mm -hmm. is part of who you are and it will make you stronger. But you have to, you know, have control over them. Again, control over yourself. Know thyself is Mm -hmm. the old axiom, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then after you do that, after you illuminate the deepest, darkest crevices of your own soul and you clean all of that crap out, and integrate it into yourself as a full person. All those things that you've held on to that make you hate, all of those things that you've hang, hung on to all these years that you're afraid of. Fear is the killer. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Okay? Do not let fear control your life. Get the fear out, get the anger out, get the hate out until nothing is left but love. Once that closet's cleaned out and all those things are let go of and you've integrated your full self as a full person, then working towards third degree, the the focus turns back outward and you take that light that you found with inside of yourself and the fire of your own soul and instead of sitting by the fire and warming yourself, you become the flame and you illuminate outwards to illuminate other people and make them realize they need to look inside and find their own center and their own flame. And thus the magic spreads. Continue, continue, continue. You just see a bunch of lights turning on working together. There you go. You had mentioned Buddhists. It made me remember um, when I was in college at Berkeley, I had a philosophy of education class, Mm. which was really, really deep. And the guy that taught it was amazing. And he was the most spiritually enlightened person I had ever met in my entire life, probably to still to this day. And he's a Buddhist. Mm. Okay. And, um, the whole, it was kind of a scary class because the whole class depended on one presentation that you gave at the end of the, uh, year. And it was a four credit, like big, you know, scary college stuff. Yeah. Scary college stuff. And, uh, I, as we went through the philosophy of education, I could not. Uh, ignore that there was a lot of philosophy in Wicca that matched perfectly with the philosophy of education when I was studying. And so I decided to be brave and I actually did my whole presentation on exactly that. And the, the other, you know, college kids showed up and I had drawn all the blinds and blacked out the windows I removed all the chairs, which was the most uncomfortable thing for everybody. Where's all the chairs? You know, you don't get a chair today. You're going to sit on the floor and connect with the mother earth. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually did a whole presentation in my full ceremonial robes with candles and incense. And I had all sorts of little science projects I used, you know, with the whole vinegar and baking soda stuff and all sorts of things like that. Um, as I went and I drew a giant pentacle on the chalkboard when I began and I said, what does this symbol mean to you? And almost every single person said, Satanism, a star, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I went into the whole symbology and then I went forward from there. But people just really freaked out. And by the end of it, they were like understanding though. And it was really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end, he came up to me and he goes, A plus. He goes, that's the single best presentation I've ever seen in my whole career of teaching. Thank you very much. And he hugged me. Oh. And I thought, that is amazing. That is amazing. And I just, I I started tearing up, you know, because it was. I think he hugged you because he realized just then and then probably for the rest of your life, you're not going to be a part of the division that probably someone as enlightened as that has been like, you're not part of the divide is, and I'm going to nurture that. I'm going to be like, yes, yes. Yeah. 
he he definitely enjoyed the presentation and uh, and and I got an A plus. <laughs> That's awesome. Which was a big relief. A big relief. Oh yeah, especially for the pressure that I hear people go through in college. I dropped out after a second semester and went on tour with my boyfriend's band. So <laughs> we got a lot of commonalities in our in our stories. I also had a garage band when I was younger. I swore to God I was supposed to be a rock star. And then um, I honestly, like, didn't want to sing, like, a full song by myself. I was like, I know there's a voice out there that I'm supposed to harmonize with, and it'll just show up, and I'll know it. And I had plenty of voices show up, and I'm like, also had stage fright, so that probably didn't help. But I just kept hearing all of these voices, and I just kept waiting for the right one to show up. And I don't... Even if it showed up now, I would have no idea because my stage fright won. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I will bring this up since you brought it up. Um, my bread and butter, what I do for a living is I'm an online music teacher. And I actually teach voice, piano, music theory, songwriting, lyric writing, etc. What I do as a pagan recording artist, I turn around and teach. And I have a degree in, in music from Berkeley College of Music, and I triple majored wow. in music education, songwriting, composition, and music synthesis, which is using computers and MIDI, you know, How home recording studio. How did you get studio. through a synthesis class? Like, did your mind uh, blow when you were learning that curriculum? It did. I was a kid in the candy shop. I mean, oh, I just beautiful. ate it all up. And I, I would have kept going, but I had to quit. I mean, it was like, you know, three, three. I was there for six years. I did three Berkeley? majors which at Berkeley College of Music for wow. six years. I should have had a master's by now, but I only have a bachelor's because <laughs> I did three majors. But uh, anyway, if anybody out there listening is interested in music lessons, I teach people from all over the world. Just contact me uh, through lordalexian at gmail.com. That's lordalexian at gmail.com. And by the way, Alexian is spelled Alex, A-L-E-X, with an I-A-N, Alexian. And uh, we can talk, and we can talk. I've got just a couple openings at this very moment. I'm usually pretty booked up, but uh, that's th out there. They can find you at alexianmusic.com as well, right? Yes. My my pagan recording artist stuff is at alexianmusic.com, and on there at the very top, there's a link tree link that'll take you to all the other social stuff, like my TikTok, my Facebook, my Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. YouTube, I have a lot of really, really cool YouTube videos that I've made over the years on YouTube as well. You can find me basically on everything under Lord Alexian. I had to use the Lord because Alexian was already taken. So I ended up using my title in the craft, which is Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord Alexian. So just search for me. You'll find me. So as we're wrapping up, I always like to leave the listeners with um, some morsel of knowledge and goodness from you. So what would you say to someone who is hearing this um, and thinking, wow, that's a lot different than I thought it was? Like what one takeaway or what one step, what one thing would you want someone to leave with that's listening to your episode? Minds are like parachutes. They only function when they're open. Mm. Wow. Open your mind and educate yourself. If you want to know the truth, ask the person. You do not ask the baker how to make shoes. Mm -hmm. You ask the shoemaker. So if you want to know about paganism, ask a pagan. Do you want to know about Christianity? Ask a Christian priest or preacher. If you want to know about Buddhism, ask a Buddhist. Don't get the information secondhand. And for God's sakes, don't believe Google.com. There's so <laughs> much <Yes>. crap. <laughs> so true. There's a lot of good online, but there's a lot of bad online. So, you know, go to an actual practitioner and learn the truth. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great that takeaway. And I, and I just... 
highly recommend for you to understand what your body feels when you're going through these moments of, you know, hey, this is how I grew up. Now, you know, I am opening my mind. You know, my car, my core beliefs are being tested. Like, does it feel does it feel good? Does it feel right to you outside of that indoctrination that you had? Oh, absolutely. You know, trust your instincts, trust your gut feelings. Uh, they will always guide you true, you know, mm-hmm. um, trust nature, trust the animals, trust the trust energy, the wind, trust the energies. You told me spirit is sharing your music through your art. So the goddess has called you to make this music. Um, we talked about, we didn't get into a lot of the ceremonies, but one of the ones that we did talk about was where you took a phallic symbol and banged the ground to wake up mother earth. So before I play your beautiful song, will you just kind of talk to me about the divine masculine energy, waking up the divine feminine energy in the goddess for us? So again, it goes back to that um, return of the sun, right? And uh, the sun's energy uh, waking up mother earth and making her yawn and stretch and maybe her fingers coming up above the soil level is the little crocus flowers blooming, right? Coming mm-hmm. up and she's waking up in order to give birth to life again. And in the springtime, there's this tradition in Europe called the Morris dancers. And what they do is they're, they're all men traditionally, and they have jingle bells like on their ankles and on their wrists. And they do little jig dances to drumming and it's all choreographed and they're all in costume, but they have these staves, the staves that they hold, and in part of the, the dance traditionally is to bang those sticks on the ground to wake up Mother Earth to return to be fruitful again. So it's a wonderful, wonderful European custom. You can look that up. I'm sure it's all over YouTube. Just go to YouTube, <laughs> not Google. That's all we ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I, go, uh, YouTube is the new Google. For those that don't know, mm-hmm. it's everything. <laughs> it's almost there. taken over yes. Google. It's yes, like yay. number two right now. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so if people want to find you, they can find you at alexianmusic.com. If they want to know more about your coven, they can go to twistedoakcoven.com. And your TikTok TikTok <laughs> handle is Lord Alexian. And then can you say your email one more time for those that would like to reach out for music lessons? Sure. That's lordalexian at gmail.com. Perfect. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out today to share your knowledge with us and everyone who's going to hear this and um, being open to uh, being part of our show and um, spreading truth. My pleasure. Thank you so much again for having me. I wanted to clap, but it might hurt my microphone. So I'm going to play I'm going to play a little soundbite of your music really quick, just as our little outro. Um, So stay on my video, please, because I will stop this and I will play this right now.